number three, the book of First Timothy, chapter number three. We've been studying through uh, what it takes uh, as far as biblically qualifications for for deacons and bishops, uh, aligning these with what it takes to be a successful Christian, what a successful Christian life should look like. And, and I asked a kid today; he, uh, he he's a good kid, but he got in trouble with a, another teacher that that taught his Bible class. Whenever the teacher said. Uh, Hey, the, the kid was talking something about gambling, and, and the teacher said, Hey, find me in the Bible where it says that you cannot gamble. Uh, the Bible says that you cannot covet. Uh, it, the guy said, If you play the stock market, you gamble. But there's a difference in gambling and coveting. And the, and the kid got bit, so he asked me, he, uh, he said, What do you think? I said, I think you need to go read and study your Bible. Well, by the end of class, he, a kid said something to him that wasn't true, and and the kid said, hey, you're not supposed to lie. That's not in the Bible. So I looked at him. I said, hey, find me in the Bible where it says you're not supposed to lie. Anybody know in the Bible where it says you're not supposed to lie? Don't go to the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments says you are not to bear false witness against your neighbor. That don't say you can't lie to your neighbor. It says you can't lie against your neighbor. <laughs> Splitting hairs. But I took him to 1 Timothy in chapter 3. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, it says a bishop, and, and this, Paul is, is telling Timothy, as a bishop, this is what you should shoot for. As a Christian, this is what we should all shoot for. Must be blameless, husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, here we are tonight, of good behavior. A liar is not good behavior. And that's where I took him to. And the kid just got to grinning and grinning and grinning. And I asked him, I said, what is going on? He said, you're the second teacher today to tell me to find that in the Bible. And I'm going to take this to the other teacher. His Bible teacher had got him online that morning. So he did. And, and, and to be of good behavior is something that is as broad as anything you want to see. Last week we studied both vigilant and sober. And to be sober-minded... Is part of being good behavior. You, you, you can't control yourself as far as you, you can't act good. You can't follow the rules. You can't be what God has you to be. You can't achieve the good behavior unless you are first sober. Unless you are straight-minded. Unless you have control of your faculties. Unless you are under control. And so whenever we begin to talk about these, a lot of times people say, well, why is the fruit of the Spirit in that order? Why don't we study them out of order? Well, God put them in order for a reason. I think he gave us a starting point, and I think he gave us a finishing point. And I think the same thing for, for here whenever Paul was writing to Timothy. I, I think he, he put it in order that it's supposed to go in. And he said, of good behavior. Now we're going to take, we're going to grammatically interrupt this sentence. You can take out things that are in commas and the, the, the commas is simply not having to repeat the sentence over again. So where it says a bishop must be, you stop right there. And it begins listing things that a bishop must be. And it says the same thing on down in the chapter, a deacon must be. And we're saying that a Christian should strive to be blameless, husband or one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior. So you're going to take of good behavior. And we're going to plug it in. A bishop must be. A Christian must be. A deacon must be. A disciple of Christ must be of good behavior. How many people can say they're of good behavior? Anybody? Maybe Bailey. Maybe Emery. Perhaps Charlie. No. <laughs> About it. 
Yeah, <laughs> that, That's about it. It's it's hard to be of good behavior. It's one of my favorite verses growing up was always a goal. And I thought that I come pretty close. I, I thought that I tried really hard. It, it was always on my mind. It, it was a verse that I had written a, on my door at, at, at college and in high school. And, and it's something that I strive for because I, I knew that I was not representing myself. In, in the book Proverbs, Solomon said, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Love and favor rather than silver, silver and gold. If, if I'm professing to be a Christian, I'm not only representing Brad Cooper. I'm not only saying, hey, this is what Brad Cooper is. I'm saying this is what a professed child of Christ is, is doing. And so whenever we go out into this world, if, if we're saved, we're not only representing me. I'm not only representing my family, my mom and daddy. I'm representing my church. I'm representing the church as a whole. I'm representing God. And to be of good behavior is part of that representation. If we get caught doing things that we ought not supposed to be doing, that represents on us, that represents on our mom and daddy, that represents on grandma and grandpa, that represents on our church, our family, and, and that goes back to our God. It goes all the way back. And so all them bracelets that everybody had growing up said, what would Jesus do, right? That's a very good thing to ask you, yourself. But a guy, professor I had in college, kind of a strange man, he, he said his 40 years of ag teaching, he had one rule and one rule only. He said, don't do anything you would not do if your mama was not sitting beside you. I thought that made a lot of sense. If you wouldn't do it if your mama was sitting right there, don't do it in this class. And he said that alleviated a lot of problems. It made a lot of sense to a lot of people because there are a lot of things that we would not do if our mama was sitting right here. I had a kid that used a bad word at school today. My previous school, nobody would think nothing of it. But it bends forward, it's, it's a big deal. And I asked him, I said, what'd you do to get in trouble? He said, I said something I shouldn't have said. And after I left him, I got to thinking about it. He seemed apologetic. But was he sorry that he used that word in conversation because the teacher was standing behind him? Or was he sorry that he used that word in conversation? There's a very, very, very big difference in the two. <clears throat> Are we of good behavior when everybody's watching? Or do we try to be of good behavior when nobody's watching? We have to answer that to ourselves. There's a lot of things that we can do that we think nobody is watching. But God is always watching. Instead of our mama being right here beside us, God is right here beside us. God sees it all. God knows it all. Not only that, everybody sees everything nowadays. You can't do anything in private. You can't do it. I was in Alexandria, Louisiana, state convention last year. I went to the food court at the mall. Give me a bite to eat. I dropped the kids off where they were supposed to go. They were in conferences all day. So I went to the food court to get me a bite to eat. I was going by the sporting goods store to see if they had bullets. I was doing the bullet crisis of 2020. And I get a phone call from my mama. She said, are you at the mall? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it, it blew 
My mind, y'all have to understand, I'm in Alexandria. She's in Pine. She called and said, are you at the malls? Maybe. How'd you know? She said, oh, well, Mama always does. She hung up. That got me. She called me back in a couple of minutes. And one of my sister-in-law's friends lives in Alexandria. And she recognized me from their wedding. Only time she'd ever laid eyes on me in her life. She recognized me. And she called Bethany and said, hey, I just seen your brother-in-law in the mall in Alexandria. And Bethany called my mama. I wasn't in that mall but 10 minutes. I just went in to get me some Chinese food and come out. In 10 minutes, I got got. And nobody else was around. Nobody else knew. <coughs> There's somebody always watching. Had I got caught somewhere that I ought not to have been, somebody still would have been watching. To be of good behavior goes a whole lot further than the way people look at me when I'm in church. The way people look at me when I'm at home. The way people think of me here. The way I act. The, the, the way I hold myself. The way I represent my family. The, the way I represent my God goes so much further than not using bad words. It goes so much further than not finding yourself in places you ought not be. It goes a whole lot further. Ever heard of the sin of inaction? There's a sin of inaction. The Bible says to him that knoweth to do good and him to do not to him is a sin. If we know to do good, if we know to do right, if we know what we are to do, if we know the opportunities God has set for us and we say no, if we know that we are supposed to help this person out, if it is the right Christian godly thing, if it is to be of good behavior to do this and we refuse to do it, that is wrong. Completely and totally. In every, in every definition of the word, that is wrong. Inaction can be just as sinful, just as bad, just as harmful as action. I was coming out of my first day at, at my new school. I was coming down the hall, and I looked in the door, and there was a kid who goes to church right here. He was in the door. He was sweeping the floor. I looked at him. I said, ooh, you're in trouble. He said, no, I volunteered. This is my day. He volunteered to sweep the floor. I'd never seen that before. It blew my mind. If we don't volunteer to sweep the floor, if we don't try to help out, if we don't try to do good, if we don't try to live up to the gospel that Jesus left behind, he is the ultimate bar. And Jesus helped everybody. 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 He didn't discriminate. We're watching The Chosen in one of my Bible classes uh, two days a week. And it's a really, really good, for the most part, very accurate uh, representation of the life of Christ. And, it's forever long, and, and we're only through the first couple of episodes, and it shows where Jesus healed the leper. Not the, the group of lepers, but the one leper. And this man comes walking up to him, and, and Jesus, Jesus walks toward him, and all his disciples are behind him, screaming, Stop, don't go, don't do it, don't do it. Can't you see this man is unclean? Can't you see there's something wrong with him? And Jesus walked up to him and put his hands on him. And that is unheard of. That is un. Uh, I mean, it did not happen at all back then. People crossed on the other side of the road whenever they saw somebody that was lepers coming through. Because you could catch that stuff and it was deadly. And you were cast out if you had it. But whenever Jesus saw him, he healed him. He fixed it. 
He had compassion on me. So what are we to do? Are we to help? Is that considered to be good behavior? Is that part of our Christian duty? It's wrong if we don't. It's very wrong if we don't. Flip over if you would. Well, I'll tell you what, it's on the same page for me. And in verse number 15 of 1 Timothy chapter 3. And then we're going to go to James. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 15. But if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church, the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. He said all of this right here. That thou mayest know how to behave, how to hold yourself, how to present yourself, how to maintain yourself. This is how we're supposed to live. And this is not just to Timothy. This is everybody. James chapter number 3. James 3, verse number 13. James says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Who considers themselves to be smart? Y'all know there are different types of smart, right? A lot of different types of smart. I had a friend in college. She had a photographic memory. She could tell you anything that had ever happened. She couldn't dump water out of a boot. But she can remember anything, ever. She could. I'm serious. Smart. Oh, my goodness, that girl was smart. I knew an electrical engineer. Designs power grids. I mean, brilliant kid. Smart as a firecracker. If his life depended on it, he would struggle to make a light switch come on. There are different types of smart. You are smart in your area. You are intelligent in what you have been trained in. And then there is an intelligence that goes beyond that. There's a problem-solving intelligence. There is a, there is a read and repeat intelligence. Where if you read something and, and, and you, you, can, you can regurgitate that information, there's test-taking intelligence. There's a lot of different types of smart. And James here is saying, Who is a wise man and do with knowledge? Who, who is smart among you? Let him show out of a good conversation, his works with meekness of wisdom. If you're smart, prove it. Show, here we go. Show out of a good conversation, out of good behavior, out of carrying yourself according to the word of God. If you're smart, prove it by thus saith God. If you're wise, prove it in your conversation and the way that you hold yourself and the way you interact with each other and the way that you don't. Sometimes, especially with the seventh graders that I teach and kids growing up, people fight, right? Most of the time it's deserved. A couple of licks and it's over. It, it, it usually don't take very much. But Jesus said, if a man strike you, turn the other cheek. He said, if he asks for you, if he takes your coat, give me your cloak also. The Bible says, be kind one to another. That verse is my punishment for kids in class 
who throw things at each other, who slap each other, because the Bible says be kind. And if you're a wise man, you will show that, you will prove that in your actions, in your conversation, in the way that you interact with others. He said, if a man is smart, if a man is wise, if a man is endued with knowledge, let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. You have to prove it. First Peter chapter number 2. Verse number 12. Let's back up to verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul, having your conversations honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify your God in the day of visitation. Those two verses are a mouthful and a half. The people that we dwell among every day, the, the people that we live around, the, the people that we interact with at school, at work, at church, on the job, in our own household. Do they know you're a Christian by the way you carry yourself? Peter said, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, as people who are different. People who are from a foreign place. The Bible says that we are no longer of the world. That we are born again. We are a new creature. Created new in Christ Jesus. That we are pilgrims and strangers. The song says this world is not my home, right? I'm only passing through. And that's the truth. So as pilgrims and strangers, Peter is talking to us. He said abstain from fleshly lust. What does fleshly lust cause us to do? Whenever we want something that, that, that we know we ought not to do, that's where that bad behavior comes in. What happens whenever your kids act right? You reward them. What happens when they act bad? They get punished. As a child of God, what happens whenever we act good? You think God is going to punish us for acting good? You think God is going to reward us for going against His Word? very simple question. It's a very interesting concept. We discipline our own kids. We discipline our own I don't know. Uh, I've heard of some people disciplining their spouses. I don't believe in that. But we discipline each other. We train each other. You train a dog by giving it a treat when it does right and squirting it with a water bottle when it does wrong. It works wonders. It's called positive reinforcement. Whenever they do right, you give them something. Whenever they do bad, you take it away. And eventually they will learn. Peter said, As strangers and pilgrims abstain from the fleshly lust. Even though we may want it, don't do it. Or we'll be punished. We'll be reprimanded. God said he chastens those that he loves. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. Whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, they shall behold glorify God in heaven. Do you think that someone can see God through the way that you live without you ever having to talk to him? Do you believe that your life can be a testimony with you never speaking a word to a person? 
On this side of eternity, you may never meet the people that you've had an impact on. You may never lay eyes on people that you have been a blessing to by living a life for Christ. For living with good behavior. For living and striving for that good name. Peter said the Gentiles may see your good works. He said they're going to try to speak evil of you. Don't give them a reason to. <clears throat> Some of the most criticized people in the world are religious people. Because people are looking for something wrong. They're looking for something wrong. It's been down from Jesus' time to now. From Noah's time to now. People criticized religious people because they were looking for something in their life that was wrong, that was bad, something they could ding them for, something that they could justify them own, their own selves with. There is no justification but by Jesus. We are sinful people. We admit that. Right? I do. We are sinful people. We are not perfect. But if we fail to strive for perfection, we are a failure. If we do not strive to be perfect, if we do not try to uphold a good name, if we do not try to act and be in good behavior at all times, if we do not try to properly represent God in everything we do or say, if we do not try to read the Bible, if we do not try to pray, if we do not try to get our family to church, if we do not try to be a witness, then we are a failure. That is part of that good behavior. The next part in 1 Timothy chapter 3 goes right along with good behavior. And we're going to touch on it tonight before we close. A bishop, a deacon, a Christian, disciple of Christ then must be of good behavior and given to hospitality. What is the first fruit of the Spirit? Before we get there, that should have been a Jeopardy question. Before we get there, have you ever been someone that you were somewhere that you knew you were not welcome? 100%. Somebody invited you in, but you knew you were not welcome? Can't be just me. There's, there's places. You've been places that you knew for a fact you were not welcome there. They didn't want you there. There was eyes on you. People was trying to run you off the whole time. Bed, Bath, and Body Works was mine. There's always somewhere that you're not welcome. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. The first fruit of the Spirit is love. Jesus said, what are the greatest commandments? Jesus said, love God, love people. Paraphrasing, of course. Love God, love people. Love brings good behavior, that love for God. That love for God brings vigilance. That love for God brings soberness. The next one invokes the love for people. Given to hospitality. My daddy always said, don't ever say nothing. If you ain't got nothing good to say, don't say nothing at all. My problem is I didn't learn how to talk till I was a little older than what you're supposed to be taught. And I ain't shut up since. And I have a problem sometimes with a filter. But love means that we don't talk bad about people. What's that the old man said? 
He said, don't talk bad about them even if they ain't no good. And that's the truth. It's funny, but it, it goes a long way. Giving hospitality is not only inviting someone in your home. Giving hospitality is being a friendly person. In order to do that, you have to be sober. You have to be in control of yourself. You have to be in control of your functions, of your faculties, of your body to the best of your ability. And you have to be of good behavior. If you're a fighter, a brawler, a liar, a cheater, a scammer, you're not going to have any real hospitality about you anyway. Hospitality goes right along with the first and great commandment. And the second immediately following. Love God, love people. And it goes right along with being of good behavior. Someone who is of good behavior, someone who is trying to be a blessing to others, especially in the world which we live, that everybody's mean. You know, you used to drive through Pine. I was in high school. It's getting to be years and years ago. It wasn't that long ago, though, I promise. I was in high school, and I drove a little old bitty Nissan truck. Everywhere I go, rolled the window down. Radio didn't work. Air conditioning didn't work. So I rode everywhere the window down, even when it was raining. And everywhere I went in Pine, people waved at you. Everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, people didn't drive by you and not wave at you. Now, I'm, I'm waving my hand out the window like this. just me. But you got the one finger, which is the hey. The two fingers, which is the hey, how are you? And then the, the three fingers or the four fingers, which is hey, how's all y'all? And people will wave at you. People are friendly, even if they don't know you. Whenever you pass up somebody or they let you in, you look out the door, you wave at them. Look out the window, being courteous. That's part of good behavior. That's being hospitable. Nowadays, you get in front of somebody, you wave at them, they blow the horn at you and flip you off. Happened to me today in Covington. I let her in. I waved at her. She waved back. Wrong way. We live in a world that is not hospitable. Not hospitable to difference. Not hospitable to change. Not hospitable to God. Not hospitable to to religion in general. Not hospitable to Christianity. Not hospitable to Christian people. But Christian people are to be different. We are to be pilgrims and strangers. We are to be that one that is different. That others may see our good works. That others may see our good behavior. That others may see our hospitality, that others may see Christ in us and justify, excuse me, and glorify our God, which is in heaven. That is the point. That is the purpose. We are not representing ourselves. We are not representing our, our family. We are not only representing our church. We are representing our God. And that carries a little bit more weight than just representing me. I encourage you, this week, we tell the kids, you got to be on your best behavior, Okay? You have a substitute teacher. You have people coming around. You send your kids off to, to be uh, uh, stay home with somebody. Mom and daddy always tell us, be on your best behavior. And whenever we're interacting with people in this world, that's what God is trying to tell us. Be on your best behavior. You're representing me. This week, I want to encourage us to try to be on our best behavior. To remember that we're representing God. To remember to be hospitable. And to remember that. Jesus didn't say this because he was just trying to waste breath and fill up the Bible. He said, love God, love people. The first and second greatest commandments. Inside these two is all the rest of the law. Love God, love people. While we have a verse for song, I ask for a verse of invitation. Someone would have